Morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Thank you uh, for that birthday greeting. That uh, really touched my heart. Nice job. I appreciate uh, Michael and Jessica shooting those videos from Bangkok. Uh, They'll be back this week uh, with some stories to share, I know. So thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, you big crybaby. You big, big crybaby, you. Boo-hoo-hoo, you big crybaby. Study done by Dr. William Frey found that women cry 5.3 times a month, men 1.3, so women cry about five times more than men do. Other studies noted that almost 5% of all men said real men never cry no matter what. I feel bad for you if that's one of you, if you say that, but whatever. 48% of us have cried at work because of the stress. (laughs) Aaron? Okay, all right. 40% of women cry happy tears, something that just 24% of men do. 64% of women admit to crying for no reason at all, while just 30% of men admit to that, all right? (laughs) Well, you big crybaby. Let's think about Jesus for a moment. Last week, we learned and focused on the fact that uh, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. In fact, 700 years before he would come, Isaiah prophesied what kind of savior God would send. And Isaiah wrote that he was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with the deepest grief. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. And I remind us there's no recorded time of Jesus either laughing or smiling in the Bible. Now it says he got angry, he says he got tired, he says he got frustrated, he says he got all kinds of stuff. But it never says he's laughed. Now he did, I He was fully human, so I understand that. But the emphasis in Scripture is on the fact that he was a man of sorrows, well acquainted with the deepest grief. Well acquainted with deepest grief. He got it. He gets it. He knows right where you and I are right now. That's the beauty of the whole thing. He taught some crazy stuff in the section of Scripture we're exploring in our series called Mountaineering with a master. Uh, These words are the words of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, some of the first things he taught publicly. And I think some of the first things that Jesus said are of primary importance to us even today. And so he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And last week we covered the first half of that. Blessed are they who mourn. And this week we're going to focus on the second half of that, for they will be comforted. All right? So, let's dig in. Losing someone close to us is one of the most intense, most intimate, most painful experiences, and yet one of the most common experiences that we all share. Every person in this room has experienced loss. We're all handling it differently. Uh, We get that. I'm currently teaching a class called Afterlife, What Happens When We Die. So, uh, just on a whim, I started the first class and asked this question. Tell us your most recent experience with the death of a close loved one and how it's impacted your life. That took the entire class. Every single person cried. There was just Kleenex, right? Uh, Because it's real. It's where we live. It's, It's where we are. Now, we all grieve and we all mourn differently. Uh, We understand that. Uh, It's a process. Some of us are kind of quick to recover. Others of us take a much longer period of time. But it is common to all of us. And yet Jesus said, blessed are those 
who mourn. Now, most people experiencing normal grief have a period of deep sorrow, and then maybe they go emotionally numb or their emotions go all over the place for a period of time. Then we throw in some guilt and some anger, uh, put it all kind of together, and gradually these feelings will begin to ease. And we say that time is a healer. There is a bit of truth uh, to that in most cases. It's possible then for us to accept the loss and to begin to move forward, a different kind of person. For many of us, the real story of our lives is often measured by our tears. And I don't know how much you cry or you don't cry. And we looked at the two different words for crying last week. One of this is his outward wail, and the other in John eleven thirty five, the only time it's used in Scripture, Jesus wept. Those are silent tears. And I don't know what your style of crying is. We're all different there. But often our lives are measured by tears. Life is short. Life is hard. Life is tough. And this morning we wrestle with truth because the truth of Jesus often just smashes into the way we feel. And it goes contrary to that. And we have a choice to make. Are we going to believe what Jesus said or are we going to believe what we're feeling? And so here comes Jesus with a statement. Blessed are those who mourn. What? Really? Blessed are those who mourn. Contented, happy, satisfied, all those kinds of things are those who mourn. What? How? Well, let's begin by defining that word, mourn. It means to feel or express sorrow or grief over misfortune, loss, or anything regretted. So uh, the second definition, to grieve or lament for the dead. So we are looking at the word in, in all of its fullness. And so when we use that word mourn, we're talking about loss, not necessarily death. But we're talking about loss. It might be the loss of a relationship. It might be the loss of a friendship. It might be the loss of finances or your physical health uh, or whatever it is, your job. We're, we're all losing, right? How are we handling those losses in life? How are we doing with that? What are we doing to stay ahead of those losses? Are we getting any risky behavior? Are we losing ourselves in something else? Are we running from it? Where are we going with the loss of life? Now, of the nine New Testament terms Jesus used, or that are used in the New Testament for this word mourn, this is the strongest one. Pentheo. Pentheo is the way we say it in Greek. It comes from the depths of our heart. It's usually reserved for that kind of grief that just cuts us to the core, way down in there. It's life-changing loss. It expresses the agony that we're feeling over that loss. And so pentheo is the strongest word for mourn, even though there's nine different words for mourn in the New Testament. Jesus uh, picks a very, very powerful word here. Have you experienced that kind of loss recently? Someone or something has been lost, and it's painful. If so, let me share with you some good news. You are not alone. You are not alone. Isolation is one of those things we talked about last week that mourners often experience. I feel so alone. I feel alone. That's never, never a good feeling when we begin to experience losses in our life. You are not alone. God cares. Now, that might sound trite. It might sound flippant, but it is the truth. Here's how intimate he is with your loss. David was at a low point in his life, and here's what he wrote in Psalm 56. 
You, God, keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. And you may think you're weeping alone at night. I guarantee you and I assure you God is right there in your deepest moments of grief. Every tear known by him. Every groaning of your soul known by him. In those agonizing moments of loss, he is right there. In fact, that's where he's closest, I believe, as he binds up the brokenhearted. He cares intimately. And he's right there when that tear is coming down your cheek or that groan is coming from the depths of your soul. He's right there. And one day, mourning will end forever. John wrote in Revelation 21, the second and last chapter of the Bible, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning. That's the word pentheo, same word that Jesus used, by the way. There will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Aren't you looking forward to that day when this thing will be over? And there'll be no more sorrow, and no more tears, and no more pain, and no more mourning. That day's coming. But Jesus is teaching on that hillside. He wasn't talking about heaven. He was talking about here and now. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a present tense verb. It's not future. It's right now. What are we supposed to do with the pain now? We understand that God is intimate. He's very close to me in my moment of deepest sorrow. And we know that one day it'll all be done with. Praise God, right? But what are we supposed to do right now? What are we supposed to do right in this moment? Got some more good news for you. This participle is in the present tense, which means those who are continually mourning will be continually comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, both in the present tense, continual. Jesus' climbing companions will be overcomers and contented, not because they mourn. Everybody mourns. The sun rises on the righteous and the unrighteous. Rain falls on everyone, right? Sorrow comes to every life represented in this room. We're not comforted just because we're sorrowful. We're comforted because our eyes are not fixed here. They're fixed there on the God of all comfort. Once that happens, then things begin to change. Here's the way that Paul would say it in 2 Corinthians 1.3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all what? He is the source of all Comfort. Now, I don't know where you're finding comfort. I don't know. Just, just shout out a few. What's your comfort food? Oreos. What kind of Oreos? Golden's got to be a certain kind of Oreo. Okay. Huh? What? Ice cream. Chocolate? Sauerkraut. All right, I'm stopping there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we all have comfort food, right? <laughs> and in our sorrow... We're all trying to find comfort, some of us in all the wrong places. That might mean drugs, that might mean a bottle, that might mean wrong relationships, that might be making some really dumb choices, right? But we're all trying to find some comfort. 
But I'm saying He is the God of all comfort. It begins and ends with Him. Isaiah wrote a couple of profound things. I will comfort you as a mother comforts her child. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you, God is saying. John 14, 16. Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father and He will give you another comforter that He may be with you forever. Powerful. That's the word parakletos. For some of you that know a little bit about Greek, that is the word for comfort or help for, or advocate. And that same word comfort that's used in Second Corinthians is the same word used of the Holy Spirit here in John fourteen sixteen. He is the comforter, the parakletos. So God the Father is a God of comfort. Jesus, His Son, is a God of comfort. And the Holy Spirit comforts us as well. We've got the entire Trinity on our comfort team. Sound like a winning combination? I think so. I think so. <clears throat> Excuse me. As our mourning reaches God's ears, it moves his heart, and then he sends comfort. Blessed are those who mourn. Who mourns? All of us. He had a captive audience. Everybody identified with that. Yeah. Blessed are those who mourn. Contented? Happy? Mm, not quite so much. Uh, this really hurts. Uh, but you can be, how? For they will be comforted, not when we get to heaven, but beginning right now through relationship with God, the God who is the God of all comfort. So here's what Paul would say in Second Corinthians 1. I know this is a long passage of Scripture, but it's very important. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. This is the root word of parakletos again, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, right? When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. What? For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. Now, there is so much in this passage of Scripture. I'd love to be able to mine this out. We don't have time this morning. But, get this. Comfort comes from where? God is the God of all comfort. He gives comfort to whom? Okay, those who are mourning, those who are suffering, those who have troubles. Anybody here trouble-free? Uh, I don't think so, right? We all got our share of troubles, but it's always with intent and purpose. Now get this. Paul had experienced tons of sorrow, heartbreak, mourning. That was a part of his life for those who it came from all kinds of different sources, from those who opposed him and for those who were supposed to be his friends. Nothing like getting shot in the back, right? Isn't that fun? Right? That thing coming to you and whap. You talk about sorrow and mourning when that thing blindsides you and comes from somebody that you thought it would never come from. Paul understood all of that. Read 2 Corinthians 11. Even though Paul invested 18 months of his life in the church here in Corinth, it remained divided. It was powerless. Imagine Paul planting a church and it's like, ugh, yuck. Paul, excuse me, <coughs> understood stress. He understood discomfort. He lived it. He also knew the comfort of God. And so he wrote to us with conviction. He said, God comforts us in all of our troubles. Now, the word trouble is thalipsis in Greek. It means trouble or hard times or suffering. 
Now, that one Greek word is translated all kinds of different ways in our English language, but it's the same Greek word. Here's different ways it's translated in the New Testament. Hardship, anguish, misery, persecution, trouble, tribulation. You talk about the great tribulation, that's the word philipsis. Okay? So all of those words, the same Greek word, different English word. The root of the word means pressure. Pressure. Where are you feeling the pressure of life these days? Pressure. Falling down on me. <laughs> yeah. Where are the pressure points in your life right now? Are these pressure points random or arbitrary, or is there purpose and meaning behind them? Do you think there's purpose in pain? Do you think there's meaning in mourning? If you've been around walking this earth long enough, you know that there is purpose behind pain and there is meaning behind mourning. God's got something cooking here that's the only way that could play out is by allowing us to go through this. That's how much he loves us. If so, what are we supposed to do with them? He comforts us, Paul wrote, so that we can comfort others. Now listen to me carefully. If you and I are afflicted in our trouble by trouble and suffering and mourning from our own dumb, selfish choices, God's comfort is probably going to be on hold. And you're going to be saying, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Please help me. No intent of ours to ever turn our lives over to Him. We're just sorrowful because we're in all this trouble by our own dumb choices. Now, suffering for Jesus is a whole lot different than suffering for our own stupidity. You hearing what I'm saying? If we're making stupid choices, don't expect God's comfort. It's not coming. It's not happening. This isn't some arbitrary kind of, oh, God, you're a God of all comfort and love. Please come and love on me because I'm making some really dumb choices in my life. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. The first, this suffering for Jesus brings God's comfort. Suffering for doing what's right. Some suffering for walking the walk and talking the talk. <laughs> the second, suffering for our dumb choices simply brings consequences. And it won't bring comfort. Just want to make sure we're still on the same page here. Okay? You want God's comfort, we've got to do it His way. Okay? So, the whole purpose behind getting comfort is giving it. The comforted must become the comfortors if this thing is going to work right. Okay? Those here who have experienced lots of pain from life, those of us sitting here who have known the comfort of God have a responsibility. Those of us who have received the most comfort are best able to comfort others. Don't you like it when somebody who has been through it can speak some words of life into your heart because there's a sense of identity. Some here have been wounded deeply and mourned fully and comforted completely. We have the responsibility to give it away. God does not comfort you to make you feel better. He doesn't do that. Right? He comforts us so that we can turn right around and comfort someone else. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's the way He's connected us with Him and with other believers. And if you've been through all kinds of stuff in life, and some of you I know you have, 
And you're sitting on that, knowing the comfort of God, not giving it away. We're short-circuiting God's plan to make His family. And that's where we've got to be vulnerable. That's where we've got to be honest. That's where we've got to be transparent. And take off these masks that we wear, that everything's fine and okay, and begin to comfort one another with the comfort that we've received from God. Is this making sense? This is the way the body of Christ has to function if we're going to be healthy and whole. And if you have gone through this and you say there is purpose behind the pain and meaning behind the mourning, give it away. Give it away. There's somebody here that needs to hear this because they're words of life to that person. Hope this makes sense. Hope this makes sense. So I wonder, where are you afflicted? What's causing the pressure in your life right now? Maybe it's over the condition of our own heart. And we feel so separated from God in this moment. Where are you hurting? Where are you in mourning? What's causing the sorrow? What's causing the pain? Have you known the comfort that comes from the God of all comfort? God is more than willing to give comfort. And I like Greg and Beach to come and share with us a bit this morning about what that looks like in very practical terms. Now, come on up, guys. Grab your mic. Uh, let me just say this uh, to begin with uh, while we transition. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Greg served in the military. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Most veterans, I just read a poll, said they really don't like it when you say thank you for your service because they don't know how to respond. Uh, that's kind of interesting. But w- what I do want to say is thank you for your service. And if you're wearing the USMC... Today is our birthday. Today's your birthday. Yeah. Of the Marine Corps. That's correct. If you have served in the military, would you please stand? That's it. Thank you, men and women for what you've meant. Appreciate that. This is Greg and Beige. Can you say hi to Greg and Beige? Hi, Greg. Good. Uh, I've been looking forward to this for a long time as a part of, the, part of your journey. And... Uh, <laughs> well, tell us what happened first. There's a lot of people here who aren't aware of what you've been through in the last few months. Far back as you want to go. <laughs> Talk about suffering. There's been a lot of suffering in my life, which I'm sure there is. Been a lot of suffering in other people's life. You want to share about the last couple of months, last few months? Yeah. So. <clears throat> oh, um, looking at his pictures is really hard, but thank you. <laughs> um. So our son passed away June 2nd, five months ago. He was 13 years old. 
He was special needs. He had Down syndrome. He had a lot of health issues. And he was sick all through the month of May, most of April. And the last six days of his life, we brought him home from the hospital, not really knowing that he was going to pass away. They, they were pretty confident at the hospital that this would go away. And we brought him home thinking we at least had the whole summer. That's how I felt like God was prompting my heart. So because of what God was prompting in my heart, we brought him home because I wanted him to be with his family, his friends, and his favorite place, which was in our house. And um, so it was, it was the perfect end. I got to hold him in my arms when he passed away. And that's what I wanted. So from that day, of, uh, June 2nd has been new for me. I mean, I lost my father 24 years ago, and my, my grandfather had passed, and he had lived with us for a while. And, um, uh, but nothing to this extent. that you put so much selfless love into. So I think this is the first time I've really had an opportunity to understand or really introduce uh, grieving into my life. Um, it's been a hard journey. And it seems like it's only begun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's important as the body of Christ that we understand uh, how can we do this better? How can we help people grieve better? And uh, last week I shared with you the scripture out of Romans 12. Weep with those who weep. Remember that from last week? Uh, weep with those who weep. And uh, that's the word. That's the word for uh, the wailing. I always love that. <laughs> what do we got here? Is that me? Okay. I'm going to cut me. Uh, that's the word that we looked at for wailing. Now, for those of you that were here at that service, and we put the casket behind that curtain. How many of you heard these wail? How many of you can still hear that wail? Yeah. And you know, in that moment, uh, there was a family member back there who walked right over to me and said, Stop this. This is cruel. Why are you doing this? Almost angry. Now, none of you heard that. Did you hear it? Okay. And I just looked at her and I said, let it go. This is important and it's necessary. Let it go. And sometimes I get frustrated by Christians or others who try to short circuit the grieving process. Don't get in the way of what God is doing. It makes us uncomfortable. 
It feels so weird. But there was healing in that cry because I watched the two of them sitting right here as that service progressed and reliving Drew's life for those moments. And it was powerful. But there's got to be those moments of just wailing. So I've asked Greg and Beach if you would just take a moment and help us understand how we can do this better. What are some things that were done right or wrong? This is no indictment against anybody or our church family. That's not at all why I'm doing this. I want us to do this better. <coughs> so excuse me. You guys teach us some things that were effective and meaningful, some things that were perhaps less than meaningful, that well-intentioned, good-hearted people said or did. Okay. Well, for me, I think each day was different, is different. One day you can say something to me, and it might be just what I need to hear. A different day... It may have the opposite effect. I might be angry that you said that. You know, a lot of the, he's in a better place. I know that. <laughs> but it doesn't always help. Sometimes it does. So it's, it's really confusing. It's, um, for me, the greatest comfort that I've received is through the wailing. And it continues on. It still comes. And um, through my small group, I am so grateful for, because the first day I, went over, I just cried. And they just let me cry, and they embraced me, and they didn't ask me questions. That was helpful. That was helpful. Um, people that genuinely care. There's people that are afraid to say something, and that's, that's fine. Like, we understand that. Just sometimes, for me, the part I don't like is when people start to act like it's, it's, we've moved on. There's no more talk about Drew. It's been five months. Even though they don't say it, I feel like that's an off-topic subject. And for me, it's not. It's going to be the rest of my life. Drew is going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And I want to talk about him all the time. So. Um, after Drew had passed, while well, we were getting the preparations for the funeral, um, John, you were such a great help and expressing that if I needed anything I could reach out to you and, and I think I did I think I took advantage of that um, and I know that well I don't know if well maybe you all know who I am and maybe you like me or don't like me or I intimidate you or uh, I'm too overwhelming for your personality I apologize for that but um, I feel that the I got some text messages and I got some understanding that people were thinking about us or our situation. And I mean, understandably, who could not? I mean, that's even if it happened to anybody in this congregation, anybody would be like so devastating for my spirit to even imagine what that looks like in somebody's life. So to not really remember maybe the first month or the second month who sent me a text message or who maybe called me and and I mean I could go back and look but I'm not going to take that time to do that but I think as like I said as my brothers and sisters in Christ the limited amount of people that have reached out has been kind of devastating a little bit uh, I mean I get the text message it's pretty lame but you're trying 
um, I don't know how many phone calls I got. And if you would do that, that would be amazing. Even if I don't answer, because I will tell you right now, I probably don't want to talk to you. I've found a little bit of trouble in being present with um, people and having my personality shine, I think, the way it did before Drew um, had passed. I'm not saying that it's not still there. I just, it's hard. But to know that y'all are struggling with something, and I'm struggling with something too, would almost think that you would want to share whatever you're going through. But to be to be there in in presence with me, and that kind of disappoints the understanding of how we're doing this uh, together. And I guess I don't know if that's. Something that, that I want, and now that I'm, it's been a couple more months, it's like I feel like I want to reach out to people that I know are, are struggling just because I, I see it, but yet we have to do it together. Like you know, I was just reading that in Corinthians about comforting those because you've been comforted. And I really, do I want to say that I don't need any of you, um, but I can live without you, but I can't live without God. And his comfort is far greater than anything that, that I could even imagine from anybody on this earth. But but you all have the ability to be that invisible God that we don't have right next to us. And, and I mean, if anything, I would challenge you to do, to be that, to be that for others. I mean, maybe even be it for me. Maybe this is a cry for you. So, Bish, uh, what were some things that were done positively that in the moment kind of uplifted your spirits or helped you in the grieving process? There's been, there's been lots of little tidbits or I'd say s- sunny moments where it just kind of comes out of nowhere. You know, I talked about my small group, and I've had certain people that have just stayed by my side since the day this happened, Cindy. <laughs> um, and she's been great. She cries with me. She tells me I don't have to care and just there's no time limit on grieving. So that was really helpful. She let me just be me. That was that was amazing. Um, the other day at Starbucks, I was driving through and the lady there didn't make eye contact and she didn't talk to me. And I was thinking to myself, well, that's disappointing because they're always so friendly and I really enjoy talking to them. And um, she didn't say anything, so I'm just mulling this in my head. All of a sudden, she um, goes, so how are you doing? Faced me, eye contact, and I nearly jumped out of my seat because she scared me. (laughs) I wasn't expecting it, but it pierced my heart. I don't know how, what, why, but it pierced my heart, and I just felt like that was a comfort that only God could give. And then another friend stopped by yesterday. And that was comforting. Just yesterday was a couple of people stopped by out of the blue. And just things like that. It, it's not over for us, you know. I, I think that after a period of time, people just think it's time to move on. And it's really, really not. Because <laughs> there are people that I have had a chance to interact with that are here in this room and some other people that are not in this room that have reached out and it has um, 
touched my heart and um, lifted my spirit. And I think that if anything encouraging is that, and I'm not here to say you're doing something wrong, I'm here to say that put your faith over your fear because I think sometimes we're afraid to reach out and maybe get rejected or we're afraid to reach out and, and not know what to say. It's like, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> if you say he's in a better place, that's awesome. If you say, you know, um, I'm with you in spirit, it's a little lame, but it's still something. You know, it's, it's it, just do it because it's going to help you as much as it's going to help me. And I'm hoping you're doing it for, for me or for God, but it's going to help both of us. Um, and I really have had a chance to read some text messages that people have put. I'm praying for you. You're on my heart. I know that you're going through something difficult, and I'm just thinking about you at this time. And that is that is amazing. And I just encourage you to continue to do that because now the as my mind is starting to clear above the the dry ice that just blew over my my life the last uh, few months, and even beyond that even beyond his death it's just been there's been so much that has been wrapped up in my life that I haven't been able to do certain things so now I'm having that opportunity but I still need your um, encouragement and thank you I'm going to give you an opportunity just to ask a question or two as we close our service in just a moment so as you've been processing this maybe you have a question for them or a comment that you'd like to make. Uh, so we'll give you just a moment to think about that. Bish, uh, you have grieved individually. You grieve as a couple. This has not been easy on your marriage. And uh, talk to us about that. Should I leave? Just <laughs> well, start with the positive. I don't know how I, how I would do this if Greg wasn't here. <clears throat> He's he's been solid and he's been a rock. It's it's so different. It's so weird. It's just us. We're not raising kids all of a sudden. We're not raising Drew that took up every bit of our time being. And um life is just weird. For me, it's new. I don't necessarily like it. I like it, but I miss what I had. I want to go back to what I had. So um, just learning to adapt to the new people in my life and doing different things is, is, is a struggle. So helping that area is very, very much appreciated. Yeah, I think that uh, when we found out that Drew was not going to be a normal kid and I remember sitting at children's and it was like, you know, God is going to have to get us through this. And, and he definitely has. And our relationship has, um, been built on that and is strengthened and is solid. I mean, you know, like 385 pound bodybuilder strong. I mean, it's, it's pretty, Okay, that's ridiculous. But anyway, so it, it's just it's just gotten strong. And I think after Drew's uh, passing, it has continued to to be strengthened. I mean, there are people that are here today that have challenges that um, they have to work through. And, you know, your 
willingness to do something that is beyond you and to carry it out beyond your own strength. And, and we can't, um, if we're looking for love in our circumstances, we're not going to find it. We have to look beyond that circumstance and we have to look beyond our own capabilities because if God is going to put you in this situation, he is definitely going to get you out of it. You just have to walk with him and I'm thankful to be able to walk with, with you and, and do this. Thank you guys uh, f- for opening your hearts. Uh, I want to open it up for you guys just for a question or a comment, but before I do that, yeah, we're sorry. Thank you. Hey, Lorraine. <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, as you sit here watching this, um, what's going on in your heart? What can you add to this conversation, being a sister and going through grieving yourself? And you've moved out, and your life has changed a lot. What do you got to say? Um, um, I guess, um, with not being home and not being here to see my parents go through, I know how they feel because I talk to them on the phone. I hear everything. I just want to be there and do everything that they need to help them. Sometimes it's hard because when I try to forget everything, I don't want to feel emotion. I don't like to be sad. So for me, it's like I don't feel it. I try to ignore it which makes it hard because when I do feel it, then I can't, I can't stop the emotion. Once I cry, I don't stop. It just, it's just continuous. But being here and helping them makes me feel better. It makes me feel like when I mourn, I feel what they feel. And I really think about how I feel. And then I think how I can use that to help them, help them to get over it because I got over it in a certain way. Great. Any questions or comments? We are the body of Christ. We are the family of God. We want to take a moment. How can we do this better together? And show that we don't grieve as those who have no hope. But the God of all comfort is right there. Question, comment? Lisa. Are we making it comfortable enough for any of us just to call you? Uh, Yeah. Is that it, Lisa? Um, <clears throat> while it's really, really appreciated how, Lisa, you have reached out and other people have reached out, I was a, very much an introvert. It was just me and Drew, and I have maybe one or two other friends that are really, really close. And they're the ones that I reach out to because they're the ones I knew, and they're the ones that knew Drew. It's not that I don't want to reach out. I do. It means a lot. But I didn't do it before, so it's harder. It is harder because I really don't want to talk about it sometimes. And if I do want to talk about it, I want to talk about it to those people that were there 
through the through the experiences. But but that doesn't mean I don't want to talk to you guys. There's so many people in here that care so much. I see that. I've experienced that more so than maybe Greg has. But um, it it means a lot that you reach out. It, it, in fact, I feel bad when I don't call back, but I can't. I just physically can't. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, some people have reached out, and, and I. The only reason I say. Um, is not to give up, you know, because I maybe can't uh, emotionally at the time to go and meet, you know, you for breakfast or for something like that. Or sometimes there's the lack of motivation. There's just the unwillingness to maybe go do something, which is not my style at all. But um, and it's not. I don't think it's fear, but I think it's just not maybe the right timing. So I. I you know, would just pray that you wouldn't give up on making those arrangements to, or keep prodding to, to spend time with us. I mean, it's you know maybe five months, but it seems like it's still pretty fresh. Great. Anyone else? Thank you, Jacob. Good. Anyone else? Sam? Nice and loud. Was it helpful or harder? Yeah, repeat the question. So Sam was asking if, because uh, I had an opportunity to share um, my testimony, but that was you know, definitely beyond uh, Drew, and he asked if that platform was helpful for me to share. And I think afterwards, I think the leading up to it was a little bit challenging because I know what I had to reveal was something that, you know, wrecked me. Um, and, you know, you talked about grieving from self-inflicted situations, which was you know, most of my life. Um, you know, I did things that caused consequences, and no matter how bad I feel about it, but the, um, having Drew was something that was totally outside of my control. And um, having the ability to talk about that, I think that was helpful. I don't know if it was helpful for the people that, that heard, you know, just about that little bit. But, um, yeah, I know after we gave the or had the funeral somebody asked if I wanted to share the story that I shared that day and I, I don't know if I'm ready for that I mean I want to I think inside I really want to tell people about how difficult it is you know having a son like that but I don't know if I'm ready God is healing right now. Words are insufficient and inadequate. But the comfort that comes from the God of all comfort is real and it's tangible and it's available. 
for any who would ask. This God who records every one of your tears and loves you so much is waiting with open arms to embrace you and to bind up that broken heart. Thank you for your honesty and transparency, Greg and Beige. Let's continue to encourage them. This is a journey, right? But there's people right beside you going through the same kind of journey. And together we can do this better. And God will be made more famous. And they'll say, my, how they love one another. And it's powerful. So let's stand together as the worship team closes us. Uh, we're going to re-sing one of our songs. And... Uh, more than just a, a blast from the 90s. Uh, there is a transaction that can be made right now in each of our hearts. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. That's a decision that each of us can make right now. That I choose to lay down this pain there is purpose in that pain. But though darkness may last for the night along with its sorrow, joy comes in the morning from the God of all comfort. And he waits for us to call out to him. So with this, this will be our benediction today. Uh, make that great exchange, would you? trade that sorrow for the joy that he's offering us. Let's sing together, church, shall we?